0: This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. All opinions expressed by Leah and Matt or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Inspire Wealth Partners or Entrusted Accounting. Clients of Inspire Wealth Partners may retain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast.
1: Welcome back to Money Rules Don't Rule. We're your hosts, Matt Cooley and Leah Haight. Today we are going to talk about budgets. I know, I know, stay with us. We have some interesting things to talk about, like what are they, why are they useful, why are they harmful, different methodologies for budgeting, different rewards for budgeting, and a way to think about budgeting from the concept of grow your revenues. It's going to be interesting. Matt, how you doing?
0: Doing well. It's a beautiful sunny day. Happy to be back. Got my second dose of the COVID vaccine a couple days ago. It took me down for the count hard, but we're back and feeling good and ready to roll.
1: Oh, good to hear. Budgets, budgets, budgets. Everyone's favorite constraint? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. You and I both had conversations with clients recently that inspired us to take on this topic in our episode. I'm excited to explore it. And one thing that I thought about with budgets from an overarching perspective is they are useful to drive behavior. Budgets in and of themselves, it's just a formula. And they're only as good as we are disciplined to use them. They're only as good as we are flexible in using them. They're only as good as if we pay attention to them. But ultimately, I think they exist to drive behavior, whether we're talking about businesses, nonprofit organizations, or ourselves as individuals. I was really thinking today, why, why do we even need budgets? I mean, if I roll back to early pioneer days when you were subsistence living, And you didn't really, if you didn't have the money in the bank, there was no spending. There was no maybe getting in underwater, getting ahead of yourself. And right now, because we have access to credit, because we have access to excess, I think that's where budgets are useful and important. Because we have credit cards, budgeting is important. If we all just worked with cash, I either have the cash or I don't have the cash, I can either spend it or I can't spend it. It's just a yes or no answer. There's no real need for that budget. So those were a couple of things that I was thinking about today, but I'm, I'm really curious to hear some of your initial thoughts, Matt, about budgets, um, what they're useful for, what kind of shapes and sizes they come from, and your, just your general perspective on them.
0: Yeah, we say budget. If anyone's still listening, um, I'm going to start with a rant. I don't like budgets. I don't think anybody necessarily enjoys budgeting. Because the entire process generally makes you feel bad about yourself, I think. Most budgets don't work. They're hard to stick to. They can be complicated. They can be time intensive. They're scary. Rarely is budgeting, at least in the the traditional sense, attached to any sort of vision or goal or dream. Budgeting has this connotation of constraint and limitation or sometimes even deprivation. And our education system doesn't teach us about budgets or credit or saving, spending, investing. And you kind of just have to figure it out by yourself. People always say, you're a financial advisor. You must love this stuff. You must love to budget. And uh, I always tell them, no, I actually don't. Um, My wife and I have been married for about six years now, which is about 72 months. And we have had, since we got married, this uh, Google calendar uh, event every month the first of every month and it's called state of the finances and we're supposed to get together and review our finances income expenses kind of where we're at and Leah, guess how many times since we've been married almost 72 months we've sat down to do that
1: um i'm gonna say six times
0: zero times and zero times we don't, need, we don't need to get into why uh we've only or we haven't sat down and actually done that. So suffice to say, I, I'm not a huge fan of budgeting in the traditional sense. But I do think understanding how and where you spend your money is one of the most important aspects of financial planning and building wealth. And if you don't know where your money goes, it's hard to know where your priorities lie. And there's an old saying that goes something like, show me somebody's checkbook and I'll show you where their priorities lie. And I think there's some truth to that. The way somebody spends their time and their money tells you a lot about what's important to them. And I think being intentional when you think about the budgeting process, being intentional about where you spend your money is important and can help you live a more fulfilling life if you're intentional about where your dollars go and making sure those dollars are going to places that do fulfill you and make you happy.
1: Matt, I think that quote, that checkbook analogy is really similar to the Charlie Munger quote you gave us last episode. Show me the incentive and I'll show you the outcome. Show me your checkbook and I'll show you what your priorities are. Um, I think it's, it's very similar. Yeah, this concept of constraints and why we don't like it and why it's uncomfortable. I think it's also really targeting that money is so emotional. It is so emotional. Budgets are cut and dry and plain and boring and they are non-reactive. They just, it is what it is, money in, money out. But the emotion behind it that is so charging and also so paralyzing, I think is what gets people just twisted around backwards. For sure. I don't think I have such a a harsh rant about budgets, but I do see them as those um, self-imposed bumper lanes. Again, kind of that bowling analogy that I've used, something to kind of help me help myself. At the same time, they come in many shapes and sizes, and so we can be flexible on how we use them that can be really helpful to come in all shapes and sizes. If I think about my own household, I kind of budget and handle money differently than my husband does. And so far that works for us, but it's worth a conversation. And I think that also acknowledges that they are many shapes and sizes.
0: Yeah. And like we've talked about in prior episodes, budgeting and money, it's so personal and everybody's different and everybody has different circumstances in their life. And their budget is going to be constrained to those different circumstances that they have. And I think you also have to look at your goals and aspirations. You have the fire community. Have you heard of the fire community? I have not. The fire community, I think it stands for financially independent, retire early. And so there are these people that live like hermits for the first two decades of their working career. They save fifty, sixty, seventy percent of their income and then they retire in their forties versus more of a traditional retirement that, you know, you're gonna work until you're in your early sixties or mid sixties or late sixties and you're gonna have a three to four decade retirement. When you talk about different shapes and sizes, are you budgeting as somebody that is trying to go the fire route or are you budgeting as somebody that's going the traditional retirement route? There's this caveat when it comes to using percentages and trying to mimic these general rule of thumbs. Again, so much of it is dependent upon geography and your personal circumstances. And that likely dictates where you're spending your money. If you live in in New York City or San Francisco and you take housing, for example, the general rule of thumb is to spend no more than 28% of your gross income on housing whether that's rent or mortgage. But if you live in one of those two places, you're probably paying more than that. But there's also a trade-off from a transportation standpoint. You may or may not have a car if you live in San Francisco or New York. You might be taking mass transit. So what is generally 5% of somebody's budget, if you live in one of those two places, it might be 0%. And so I think it just goes back to the points we've made before of take, take these general rule of thumbs with a grain of salt, because it's different for everybody. If you have two or three kids in daycare, that may consume a good chunk of your budget now, but once they're out of daycare, that expense just goes away. And what was 15% of your budget is now 0% of your budget. And so it's hyper-personal.
1: Hyper-personal, f- for sure, especially in regards to um, where we might fall on the financial scale of earnings and income Um you know, just in some of our keeping up with the Joneses conversation, you know, when I make a thousand dollars, I'm going to be looking ahead at the person making ten thousand dollars. and I want to be in that bucket. And the person with ten thousand is going to look ahead at a hundred. and the person with a hundred is going to look ahead at a million. Like there's always another platform to pull yourself toward. And I think similarly with budgets, we can talk about budgets. And either how vital and critical they are, how constraining and limiting they are. But if we are living at the margins, for instance, when it is vitally critical that we get food on the table and rent over our heads and our children clothed and at school, like there's not a lot of room for margin or error in those budgets as there may be with someone in those higher tiered buckets of financial freedom and choice. So yes, of course, everything we're talking about here is a grain of salt. And we don't have capacity today to go into every kind of tier and layer of budget. But I think just acknowledging that sometimes budgeting is vitally critical for survival, especially when we're living closer to the margin than it is when we are living in more financial freedom.
0: Yeah, I think that's why it's important to know yourself and your own circumstances. If you are living close to the margin, there's a method for budgeting that might work for you. It's the method that's been championed by Dave Ramsey of the envelope method of, you know, you literally get paid, say you get paid $2,000 a month. You go to the bank, you get $2,000 in cash and you put it in envelopes. You have an envelope for rent, you have an envelope for food, you have an envelope for clothes or whatever it may be. And when that money's gone, it's, it's literally gone. If you're not living close to the margins, there are budgeting methods for that. So I think it just going to the point of knowing, knowing yourself and knowing your circumstances.
1: Yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about some of the budgeting tools and tricks and tips to share with our listeners right now? Do you have any um, tools that you offer to your clients, Matt?
0: I think budgeting has never been easier. There are so many different apps that will basically download all of your transactions, categorize them, show you where you spend your money and how much you're spending. Mint was kind of the original budgeting app. It's free. It's mostly automated. Again, pulls your transactions every day and categorizes them. It's a a little bit clunky and takes some effort to get it completely dialed in the way that you want it. But overall, it's a pretty good option. Again, it's free. PocketGuard is also another good free app that's out there. Probably the most popular amongst my community right now is called YNAB. It's Y-N-A-B. And it's what's called a zero-budget tool. So for the people that are very committed to sticking to this budget and developing a budget and updating their budget and willing to account for every single dollar is where you get the zero budget nomenclature. It's it's a really good tool. It's $85 a year. So I think you have to include that in your budget, I guess. And then personal capital is another one. It's an app. It's a website that's good for tracking your net worth and wealth building. Um, a little bit better than budgeting, but it also does have a budgeting component to it. So those are the tools I typically recommend. You can spend a little bit of money and get a lot in return, or you can just go the free route, and that's completely acceptable, too.
1: I like to think of budgeting as as a sort of discipline the way that we approach maybe um, the food that we eat and the exercise we give ourselves, and the um, amount of rest and sleep that we get like it is, it's part of habit. It's part of setting up those tools in your life to make it easy. Um if I want to do my rowing machine in the morning, I set out those workout clothes the night before so that I can't walk out of the bedroom without seeing them and kind of being triggered and reminded. So I think finances and budgeting and money is no different than any of those other habits we try and develop in our life.
0: For sure. And consistency is obviously king. If you save 20% of your income one month, if you don't do it the next month, it's probably not going to matter all that much. It's like consuming five calories one day and then 15,000 the next day. It's like, okay, that, that didn't really do any good when you only ate five calories
1: and like with everything else in our life um the how emotional that is the way that we put ourselves down and beat ourselves up when we don't hit our targets or do what we say we're going to do money is no different we beat ourselves up for it all the time and i guess i'm t- i'm i'm saying that out loud because i also want to invite our listeners to to soften and go easy on themselves and try again or to just admit that it is hard it's hard and the more support and resources and ways to make it easy for yourself i think the pathway is only up from there. Yeah. So it's okay. It's hard. And I think even if you look around you, um, it's easy to make assumptions about how other people around you are handling their money. It's easy to compare yourself. And I think that the sooner that we can stop that and be open to talking with each other out loud about money struggles and money questions, I think the better off we'll all be.
0: Yeah. I think we make it harder on ourselves than it needs to be as well we get so hyper-focused on budgeting and thinking we need to account for every single cent that gets spent on a latte. You know, how many coffees do we have rather than focusing on how much money is being saved in in that month or that quarter or that year and thinking more about your big-ticket items rather than getting as granular as the Starbucks latte. And as long as you know how much you need to be saving to meet your short, your intermediate, and your long-term goals... I don't think you need to scrutinize over the daily spend. And so often we get so caught up in, in our daily spend and scrutinize every little cent. And that just, it makes it tough on, on all of us.
1: It sounds like you're really suggesting and maybe even advocating for having a plan. If you don't know where you're going, you don't know how to get there. So this concept of short-term, intermediate, and long-term savings can be likened to kind of a travel analogy of I've got my purse, I've got my roller bag carry-on, and I have my checked baggage. That checked baggage is that long-term kind of retirement savings. It goes underneath the airplane, out of sight, out of mind. Like I cannot get up out of my seat mid-flight and access it. Retirement, get it away from me. Now that roller bag money, that might be like my six-month reserve money. It's up above me in the overhead storage bin on on an airplane, but you know, I really don't get up into it and access it. So that is savings that is kind of out of sight, out of mind for that emergency, that six month emergency, which is another general rule of thumb. And then uh, the purse that I have or the laptop bag or something that is easily accessible, that is a little bit more um, available for spending, for spontaneity, for flexibility, without kind of breaking the bank, without spending every last dime. For some people, that might be a helpful analogy, this kind of short-term, medium-term, long-term. Think of it like the travel analogy of checked baggage, overhead storage, and the luggage with you that's just right at your feet.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. And if we're trying to make this as easy on ourselves as possible, it's pay yourself first. Treat your savings just like you would a recurring bill. It's, it's a non-negotiable. It's every month. And it's the first thing that gets paid each month or every two weeks or each quarter or however you want to mentally account for that. And once you have established your emergency fund and your margin of safety, pay yourself first and automate it. There's so much science that shows if you automate it, you set yourself up for success. Because if you don't automate it and it's in your checking account, you're probably gonna spend it. And as long as you're paying yourself first and 20% gets taken off the top, and you aren't spending more than the remaining 80% that you have, you don't really need to have a detailed budget that you scrutinize over every single penny. When you don't spend time on the small stuff and how many coffees you buy, it can save you a lot of time and a lot of stress, and you don't have to beat yourself up by going 14 cents over your coffee budget. So if you are focusing on those big-ticket items, automating your finances by paying yourself first and spending the rest... And not getting caught in the, the minutiae of it, it allows you to spend, within reason, I think more guilt-free than most of us do.
1: Yeah. I've been thinking about budgeting in these two different ways, this concept of like budgeting forward and budgeting in reverse. And so budgeting forward, I like to think about it if I start with all of the income that I have and then kind of fully allocate it going forward. So I can focus on my necessities first, I can focus on the extra seconds, and I know exactly how much is available. And this concept of budgeting in reverse is essentially like picking a target, a goal, something I want to purchase or acquire, whether it's an experience or a home or an education or raising children. And then I can back into it and pick whatever constraints I want in order to help me get there. So yes, I do have to cover my necessities, my rent, my utilities, my food, um, but then everything else is really kind of discretionary and I can get to my goal as fast or as slow as I want to. Those are two different ways that I experience people budget and it, it, and it depends on what works best for them. Again, as it's so emotional know thyself. And if money seems to leak out of my pockets, what are the tools and resources that I need to use in order to get me to where I want to go? Budgeting that drives behavior. That's how we started this conversation. How do I drive that behavior to get after what I want? But Matt, I think that we've also talked a little bit um, between the two of us about this concept of like, yeah, we can budget, but what about growing our revenues? So I'd like to hear what you think about budgeting forward and reverse, but also some other ideas on how to think about budgeting.
0: Yeah, we spend so much time in the financial media and as a culture talking about budgeting and cutting back and not spending. And I don't think we spend enough time about the opposite end of that equation is, is how much money you're making. Start the side hustle, invest in your education, you know, climb the career ladder if that's what is important to you and that's the path that you want to take. Grow your revenue rather than cut your expenses, I think is just something that doesn't get talked about enough. And it's a way to, I guess, grow yourself out of having to cut things out of your life. You know, maybe you're looking at your budget and you're like, man, I just, I can't do everything that's important to me. And you're cutting out things that are important to you. But on the flip side of that, focus on growing your, your income so you don't have to cut some of those things out. You know, and I think some of the best ways to do that are starting a side hustle, investing in your education, making yourself more employable, and climbing that ladder and making more money.
1: I like that. And with a lot of my business clients, that's something that I do talk with them about. We have combed over the expenses with a fine tooth comb. And at some point, it is what it is. We need the office supplies, we need the rent, we need the utilities. Like it's kind of a fixed cost. And what we have control over is the revenue side. We can go after marketing opportunities and we can try and scale and we can find collaborative partnerships with other businesses. Like we have full discretion on growing our revenues, full discretion. Whereas expenses are generally, for the most part, kind of overhead fixed costs. It is what it is. Um, If we want to lessen our rent, we might have to scale down our square footage. Uh, If we want to drop payroll, we might have to let someone go. But for the state of the business as it is in currently, it is, it is what it is. It's a fixed cost. So focusing on the things that we do have control over, I think it's very applicable. We do it in our businesses. We also have the opportunity to do it in our individual lives.
0: For sure. But when you do grow your revenues, that comes with the temptation of lifestyle creep.
1: Lifestyle creep. What do you mean by that?
0: Lifestyle creep. I think it's one of the biggest issues that we face in keeping our spending in check is lifestyle creep. When you have rapid career advancement and you're making more money, maybe you're starting a family and there's this temptation to spend more money to keep up with the Joneses. You borrow money for the expensive house and the car and the boat. And I think in America, we always try to appear, I won't, this is a very broad general statement. It's not applicable to everyone, but I think America in general tries to appear a social class above what we can truly afford. And it's this lifestyle creep and it's getting paid more, but also spending more. You know, your first job out of college, maybe you're making $50,000 and you're saving $5,000 a year. And then all of a sudden you're making $150,000 and you're still saving $5,000 a year because you're spending much more money. No income is high enough if you can't live within your means. There are a couple really good examples from people that you've heard about. Johnny Depp, Robert De Niro. These are people that have made somewhere between half a billion and three quarters of a billion dollars in their careers, and they live paycheck to paycheck. And it's because lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep is, again, one of the biggest issues we face in keeping that spending in check.
1: As we talk about this from an individual standpoint, I'm always kind of filtering it through my lens of assisting businesses and even nonprofits. How do they handle essentially like scope creep in their businesses? It's easy to spend the money when the money's good versus reinvesting that money in in essentially the bank account or reinvesting it in your employees, in your business, keeping that rainy day fund. I think it's really easy when times are good to go out and on one hand, you know, be really generous with your employees and the people who helped you get there. What I've seen through this pandemic recently are the businesses who have been able to I'll call it thrive through it, are the ones who had a very robust savings balance because they did not spend all the money when the time was good. The bottom of their business has dropped. The rug has been pulled out from under them in this pandemic. And they are able to still piece it together, keep their employees employed, because they had a very healthy cash balance to help get them through this. Again, it was very tempting to spend it while time was good thinking that good times will always be good times. And it's not saying to be so stingy and paralyzed and retracting with that money, but to just be conscious of planning for the future and figuring out what you know, essentially your risk tolerance is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you apply that to our personal balance sheets and our personal financial planning, it's where a financial plan come, comes in and quantifying your goals and your aspirations and what those cost. And making sure you're tracking toward those from a savings standpoint. And making sure that you have that buffer when times aren't as good. And again, it's, it's so personal. For me personally, I understand the importance of, of compounding and starting to sock away dollars at a young age. But I also place a high degree of value on vacations and making memories with my family and friends. And I don't want to miss a trip to Disney World with my family just so I can pay off my mortgage in 25 years versus 25 years and two months. Though with the cost of a Disney World trip these days, it might set me back more than two months of mortgage payments. Um, It might. But you never know. But I I think the traditional sense of budgeting is really hard, and it's why nobody sticks with it. If we shift our thought process about budgeting on its head and see it as a process of prioritizing our wants, our needs, our goals, our aspirations, and understanding that everybody has different goals and priorities – Um, it's important to understand what those things are in your life that you spend your money on. So what could be helpful is changing our thought process when it comes to budgeting and seeing it more as a process of prioritizing our wants, our needs, our goals, and aspirations. Again, being intentional about the things that matter most in your life and spending money on the things that do matter most to you and cutting back in other areas to balance planning for the future but also enjoying today just knowing that everything is a trade-off.
1: Matt, I think we are definitely driving this point home, at least I hope our listeners hear it, where budgets are so unique and so personal. They are a tool for you to use to help drive the behavior that you want to see in your life so you can get after and achieve what's important to you. There's no right or wrong way to do it. We've offered some tips and tricks on how to do it, some apps and software and resources. Matt, what else can we leave our listeners with before we say goodbye today?
0: The one piece of advice that I might have is that if you're struggling with budgeting and spending money and living within your means, one of the things that can be helpful is spending hard cash versus putting it on that credit card. There's never been an easier time to spend money like you had alluded to, Leah, with credit cards and stored payment information on websites like Amazon. You know, it takes you two clicks to spend $650. It hasn't always been that way. And I think there's a different psychological effect when you're spending cold, hard cash versus just putting it on a credit card. Because when you put it on a credit card, you only get heartburn when you open the credit card statement versus, you know, every time you spend money, you might get a little bit of heartburn. And if you're making, you know, 50, 60, 70 transactions throughout the month, it can just be helpful from that perspective to actually spend real dollars. You know, it's a poker example. You're, you're playing poker and you're throwing chips around that are worth $100. But if you were actually throwing $100 bills, you might think twice before going all in and trying to bluff your way out of it. So yeah, I think that can be helpful sometimes if you're really struggling with budgeting is, is going to the bank and getting actual cash and spending it that way. And you might think twice before you do it.
1: Yeah, I've figured out how to use my credit cards as if it is cash. That just works for me. I don't like feeling like I need to carry a balance on them and that I need to use next month paycheck in order to pay it off. So yeah, figuring out how to use cash. I definitely think that that's a helpful one. Let's take a break here. We will catch everyone next time and I will leave you with one more quote. Hamlet from Shakespeare says readiness is all. It's a three word quote from Hamlet. Readiness is all. Do what you can. Do your best. We know you're working hard. Reach out to us if you have any questions and we'll see you next time.
0: Boom. Until next week, see you later.